in in the world we live in the electronics component industry it's just not there so you know yeah. you can put up two identical suppliers right yeah. they can look at uh, identical features um, they can throw in identical warranties and does that mean the products are the same absolutely not they're miles apart you know one could be a low cost supplier driven primarily by giving low price and one could be a performance based supplier that's got value that's you know use the higher design criteria and everything else yeah and you think about engineers today in the way they shop this is what keeps me up at night are you ready to elevate your leadership skills in the electronics manufacturing industry Join Sana Vinding on a transformative journey as she unlocks the key to exceptional leadership in this dynamic field. Discover invaluable strategies, emerging trends, and best practices through expert perspectives and insightful interviews. This podcast is your ultimate resource for gaining a competitive edge, staying ahead of the curve, and shaping the future. Tune in now and unlock the secrets to leadership success in the world of electronics manufacturing. Welcome to Mind Innovation Leadership Podcast, empowering leadership excellence in the manufacturing industry. I'm your host, Sana Vending, and I'm excited to be here today. I want to introduce today's guest, Tom Richard. He's a dynamic innovator, accomplished international sales and marketing executive renowned for his deep understanding of Japanese business culture. Tom excels in navigating diverse business environments and continues to drive growth and deliver outstanding results. Currently serving as the Executive Vice President of Sales and Marketing at TTK Lambda. Welcome, Tom. I'm excited to have you here today. Welcome. Thank you, Santa. I'm excited to be here today. <laughs> yeah, let's 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 dive into it. So um I want to know more about because you've been in the industry for, for a long time. Um and I want to know, you know, what what's your secret or your passion about the, the industry and, and and how do you stay relevant as well in the industry? Good question. So, you know, well, this is an exciting industry to be in, right? Look at, if you look at where it's gone from, you know, the last 20 years or so, I started as a young design engineer, designing on in the cubicle, as many out there trying to sell to, and um, migrated from engineering to business development, to sales, to marketing. And um, you look at this industry, you know, 10 or 15 years ago, Coke machines were gravity fed. Today, they use electronics. Yeah. They've got LED lighting. Coffee machines would drip coffee. Today, you've got <laughs> high-tech electronics and coffee machines. Fryers that were very simple in you know, fast food restaurants today have sophisticated electronics to keep them from you know, catching fire, right? Yeah. And you look at the evolution in, in, um, in, in technology and medicine. And it's amazing. So it's a great industry to be in. Robotics have been become everywhere, right? And it, you know that is what really excites you today. If there's all, any industry you can pick today, I would say this is one of the more exciting industries because it's just growing rapidly in the use of electronics in in ordinary devices, right? Yeah. And really making things very interesting. So yeah. yes. Oh, it's good. I can see you already the one pointing out things or, or devices or equipment. If you see something new, right, right? you will tell your whole family <laughs> well, you, you what's new. Day and you just look at it. You know, you don't want to yeah. be the next, um, you know, uh, uh, blockbuster, right? You, you've got to continue to innovate yourself, right? Yeah. You know, there was a time I gave a presentation and talked about what, what is important in this industry is is the curiosity to learn to always yeah. explore because it is things are changing very rapidly you know inflection points in 
and communication and, you know, just the technology are changing everything we do. So, yeah. you know, if, if you don't want to learn, this is not the industry to be in. But if you get a lot of curiosity, this is the place to be. Right. Definitely. So, absolutely. Definitely. So let, let's dive into the, the sales process, um, what have changed, right? Um, so if you could go deeper and, and looking at back and saying maybe, you know, how an engineer was working, like if you compare like five years ago and saying, you know, how does the world look like now in a more hybrid world? How right. will you describe it? Think about it. You know, prior the, to the pandemic, engineers were, you know, I like to say there was an article I wrote, huddled in the cubicles, right? They were yeah. under... Hence pressure to do what? To develop projects, you know, it, with blazing speed, innovation, cost was, you know, paramount, right? In, in their designs, managers were looming with guns over their heads. And then this giant inflection point in the industry called the pandemic hits, right? And those same poor engineers that were sitting in the cubicles that valued, you know, salespeople with intelligence and knowledge that could bring roadmaps or help them with, you know, anything in, in their technology are now working in their, you know, offices at home or in their basements, right? You yeah. know, absent from that value of a salesperson. And so, you know, there was a big glut there where, um, you know, you, you miss that whole piece. So how do you reach these engineers today? Now they're slowly coming back into the offices, but even, you know, the old school of a sales manager traveling uh, with local representatives and visiting accounts is not always receptive today. People have developed this new hybrid model, right? Yeah. Some work at home a few days, some like to work in the office and, and you visit customers and you go in there and you had a meeting scheduled with eight people. You get in there and only two show up yeah. and the other six want to join via a team's call. You yeah. have to adapt to this changing style of selling and informing. And uh, it is a challenge to salespeople because, you know, usually we're personable. We're one-on-one -on -one or one-on-four. We love to tell our story about our technology and our roadmaps. And, yeah. uh, and these same engineers, by the way, that were just prior to the pandemic in the cubicle struggling to get projects done on time are no different today. They're struggling to get projects done on time. They're they're hungry for information. It's just different. You know, it's, yeah. it's there's no longer an office they go to every day. And, you know, a good salesperson, I guess, is more valued than ever today to find different ways to reach out, educate and inform these salespeople. And that therein lies the challenge because it's it's there's no cookie cutter approach that works for any one style. Right. No. And, or any one company. So that places the big challenge or conundrum ahead for everybody in our industry. And that's what differentiates great salespeople from good salespeople, right? And how yeah. do they reach and inform these engineers and get advice and have problems? I mean, years ago, I was at an ERA conference and they had a bunch of young engineers on the stage. And it's funny because older, a little bit generation, younger out there, and, and one of the comments they gave us was they don't want to talk to salespeople, yeah. right? They, they said, you know, they don't want you to visit, you know, text me maybe, but this, but then, you know, on the same token, they said, but if they have a problem, they want you receptive and in their office in hours, right? Yeah. You know, because they need that support. So that, that is a key piece of what is still important back then and still today. But the challenge is how to, how to get there and understand it and connect, right, yeah. with all that. So, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, so it's making sure, right, to be visible in that whole sales funnel. Um, so when the engineer needs you, right, then they will think mm -hmm. of you and then you will be there. So there's a lot well, of- you want to be in the invoke set, right? Yeah. You know, so you, you don't say, I need an adhesive strip, do you? No, you say, I need a Band-Aid, yeah. right? So you're, you're trying to get engineers to think that same way about your brand, your company, and even you as an individual, right? Yeah. You know, I need Joe. He's the guy. He gets things done. Or I need Susie. She's the right one. So yeah. these are the things you're striving for is like a, you know, the old uh, sales term, a trusted advisor. You want to be that person they can trust. Yeah. Right? Trust is the element in sales. Without that, everything else is lost, in my opinion. So yeah. So let's let's talk about how to provide value into the product that you're selling or stand behind. So if you compare it to Amazon, and maybe it's not apples to apples to compare to, to Amazon in this, but I still want to do it. Because on Amazon, you can see the the value that's behind it is, is the rating, you know, the, the customer who bought it. That gives you some kind of understanding of what this product is providing as a value. How do you mirror that into the electronic industry? Because we don't have like a rating, right? <laughs> or yeah. a comment box. Yeah, that's that's a very challenging and and there was a article written years ago. I mean, it's it's sort of a little bit of a DigiKey Mauser model, um, relationship marketing versus performance based marketing. So yeah, you know, that, that's a challenge. Okay, Amazon is performance based. You know, you go on a site and they have the product, they have the a reasonable price, they have some technical information, whatever it is, and you can order it and get it delivered the next day. You know, a little bit of the model that both DigiKey and Mauser also yeah. provide in the industry. But what is really a challenging is, you know, things all look equal, right? The electronic industry has an adapted that, uh, I guess, rating-based system where, you know, you could have reviews by customers for Amazon, in, in the world we live in, the electronics component industry, it's just not there. So you, know, you yeah. can put up two identical suppliers, right? Yeah. They can look at uh, identical features. Um, they can throw in identical warranties. And does that mean the products are the same? Absolutely not. They're miles apart. You know, one could be a low cost supplier driven primarily by giving low price and what could be a performance-based supplier that's got value that's you know used a higher design criteria and everything else yeah and you think about engineers today and the way they shop this is what keeps me up at night so you you think about it you used to be able to have lunch and learns or go visit customers years ago yeah. and you'd explore your your technology you'd have that relationship-based marketing you'd be in there telling them about you know, what were the value and benefits of your product? And um, today, you know, what, what is that engineer doing? You know, he's blazing through the internet at 11 o'clock at night, <laughs> popping up on these sites, pulling up the products, doing comparisons. And, and the other challenge is that many times these folks that are doing it, let's say it's, it's an electrical, let's say it's power related. They may be a hardware engineer that's mechanical. Right. And yeah. don't have the knowledge to, you know, understand all the infantry in, you know, the differences between the two products. And they're making decisions at 11 o'clock at night with no advice from a trusted advisor or a salesperson. Yeah. So that that does keep me up at night. And, and quite frankly, it's a challenge. And I think everybody that's a value based supplier is challenged to find that. How do you differentiate the value of your product on a website? 
at 11 o'clock at night where yeah. you where human interface and relationship based marketing isn't there. OK, that is a real, real challenge for companies that are value based. Again, it benefits the low cost base, but the, the value base. And there are plenty of great value based suppliers out there in our industry. Yeah. Um, it, it does present a challenge. There's no easy answer to that. I mean, you could do things like make, uh, you know, tie your product to to uh, videos. Right. You know, the TikTok uh, generation. Right. So long yeah. as your video is not more than a couple of minutes, you can mm -hmm. possibly do an educational form and say, well, here, you know, this is our product and here are the values you need to look at or the things you need to consider yeah. um, before choosing a product. But uh, absent of that, you know, we are challenged. It, it does yeah. keep us up right on what can we do to differentiate value of two products that look very similar to an engineer shopping at, let's say, 11 o'clock at night. So, yes, you, you hit a core button there that uh, all marketers and salespeople of value-based companies are struggling with today. Yeah. And, and you see different areas, right, of, of how companies has, or manufacturing companies have, have you know, from scale to one to 100, right? Because there's some that will only have the picture of the product, right? And maybe a data sheet, or maybe they don't have a data sheet. And then you have the whole full where you have a whole parametric search where you can right. do more comparison. Um, and, and it's so important now when you're saying when engineers are searching, right? Uh, that even though you can go to the mouse or you can go to the DigiKeys and get information as well, a lot of times the engineer will go to the manufacturer's website to get all the information um, and search right. for it. So it's important that that every manufacturer actually makes sure and spend money on their website um, sure. to, to keep up with, with the evolution of, of websites, right? And well, that, that's a fantastic point. I think today the appetite for information is great. So, um, you know, you know, it, it exactly is a challenge for, for us here, right? I mean, one of the things though a website can do is provide an abundance of information, right? That I think that is key. There is a differentiator, you know, there's a lot of different ways you can uh, differentiate your product on your website um, using the EDA tools, whether Ultra Librarian, a Snap EDA, um, all the different test reports you need, all the different EMC reports you need, um, there is value through a website, but again, you've got to get the engineer to go through that journey of an engineer to get to your website, right? And, and it's sort of like, a, you know, baiting the hook to bring them in, right? And usually yeah. they're coming through one of the larger distributors. You know, we talked about the high service, whether it's Mauser, DigiKey, RS, Avnet, Arrow. And, you know, the trick is how do you differentiate you, get that hook to get them into your website where yeah. you do provide a repository of everything they could ask for. That is one little value you can provide. So, yeah, yeah, and it and I think you, it's also important to think about the clicks, right? How many clicks to get to the information? Um, right. So it's it's a balance about that, and also have really value added content on the website, so you can keep the engineer finding interesting, either if it's articles or if it's new product introductions. Right. Or, or get them to the right product if they didn't click it on the first one when they get to the website. So there's a, yeah, it's a whole men menu, right, of options that you well, need to offer. I think a key piece today is you look at the roles engineers are playing. They're not always, you know, a mechanical engineer for a mechanical or an electrical engineer for an electrical. So um, if you can make your website informative, educational, 
right? Yeah. That, that may help these people in their journey in choosing and designing a product, right? Yeah. I think that's really important because they are not always as informed. I mean, you look at where the industry was, you talk about it, right? Go back 15 years ago, the major manufacturers, whether they're GE Healthcare or a key site, would have like a power expert, somebody with either a bachelor or a master's in electrical engineering managing the hardware. Yeah. And, you know, with the cost cutting initiatives and, you know, the, the, the ability to, the, the emphasis on, you know, keeping yourself competitive, some of these companies don't have those positions anymore. And so therefore, you know, the engineers are more reliant on the manufacturers, the distributors or the representatives to uh, provide this information, educate, train and inform. Yeah. Um, so it, it presents a challenge, but it also presents an opportunity, right? Yeah, definitely. So that that touch a little bit, you know, how to learn, right? And how you educate the engineers. So I want to ask you, how how do you learn? Yeah, there's lots of ways. So you know, um, a, a buddy of mine named Graham, who who's pretty prolific in the industry. I listen to him, you know, there's many ways to learn. You can read, you know, technical articles, blogs, but I like to get up in the morning, grab my cup of coffee, coffee, to make sure we all say that properly. The, <laughs> and, um, and, you know, maybe open up LinkedIn and, and look for interesting articles, you know, yeah. and, and kind of browse LinkedIn with my cup of coffee um, in the morning. And there's some great content on there you can read and learn. You know, you can not only keep up with your competitive environment, see what's going on in the industry. But uh, there's some folks that, you know, Michael Knight, for instance, writes some great articles. And, yeah. you know, if you come across this, you go, all right, well, I'm either going to read it right now, save it or come back and read it. But there are others in the industry that have written great things. And then in the evening, uh, you know, just at the other end that Graham would say, um, in the evening, you grab a glass of wine, nine o'clock, right? It's, nothing's good on TV. You do the same, same thing. You know, you yeah. can grab grab that LinkedIn and you start scrolling. And, you know, as long as it stays as a tool to educate and form, yeah. I think it's a great, it's a power. There's a power yeah. to the community on LinkedIn. So yeah. that's just one way to stay informed, but there's just many other ways. I mean, look, we just, we're just coming off the ECIA executive conference, another great way to learn and inform, right? You go to that conference, you listen to the speakers, you take away takeaways, or if you go to the ERA conference in February, you listen, you take takeaways. This industry, you have to have curiosity, but you also have to have an appetite to continue to learn because things are changing so fast, right? Yeah. You know, the speed of change in this industry keeps growing faster and faster. Yeah. How how do you then take it and make sure, you know, that your organization or your team is learning at, at the same pace that you're learning? Oh, yeah, good. You challenge them, right? I mean, um, many of the folks that work with me go to these conferences because, the, you know, I am sitting, sitting as more of the elder in the group, right, at this <laughs> stage. Not done with my career, but more of an elder. I like to bring in the young, that youthful energy. Yeah. Um, you can meet the right folks who also embody that same spirit of curiosity to learn. I think it's great, you know, when you get them in here um, and take them to these conferences uh, are, are great vehicles for them to discover, right? Um, yeah. Also, uh, whenever I come across a great article, whether it's on LinkedIn or I read it, you know, in the Wall Street Journal or any other vehicle that you can catch informative topics, 
the first thing I do is I I send it to everybody. You know, yeah. one of the things I'm known to do at, at in the company at TDK Lambda is if I read a good book. The Challenger Sale was a great example, right? So I, I read this book and said, damn, this is a damn good book, right? And I bought everybody in the team the book, wrote them a personal <laughs> note and said, I guess you read this. Now, I don't think everybody read the book. I found out that others could go online quickly and get the crypt notes, you know, <laughs> and, and cheat. I said, we're going to bring it up on a call just so that everybody can chat about the values of what you saw in this book. But yeah. These are just ways of learning. I, I love when anybody new comes on board the company. I usually send them a book that I've read it to with yeah. a note and, and um, say, we'll talk about it in about six months. I don't want any pressure. Right? You yeah. know? But there are some great things to read out there. You know, the uh, jab, 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 right hook, you know, is another great book, right? Talking about the marketing. That one is philosophically the way I believe all communication should be, right? Yeah. You educate, you educate, you educate, and then you throw a hook and then you throw your product in there, right? Don't leave with your products. There's there's a lot of great. And then listening to people in the industry like Glenn Smith, right? He one time was talking to me and his view was, you know, we're talking about features and benefits and features and benefits. And he goes, okay, those are nice. He goes, what problems are you solving with your yeah. product? And I went, I sat back and I go, I don't know. I said, I can think about that for a second here. Yeah. Well, why did you create the product? What problem are you solving for an engineer? And I sat back and said, all right, that's going to be in our marketing uh, wheelhouse in, in TDK Lambda. Whenever we introduce a product, why do we introduce it? What problems are we solving? And, and yeah. I love that phrase, you know. Yeah. So. And it's, that's the whole storytelling, right? That makes it, yeah. makes it easier as well when you can actually answer that. Yeah, sure, sure. There's there's a lot there. And and you look at it, right? And it, it changes your view on the way to pitch a product, right? Yeah. At the end of the day, it's like, I've got, you know, blah, 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 class BMI, I am great at this, I am great at that. And the engineer who maybe is a software engineer says, okay, that's important, but I don't understand what is the value. Well, you can put this in a class, this class B can be put in a plastic enclosure and still meet your admissions. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah, so you I say, I can design this in a plastic enclosure, which I was doing, and still meet the emissions requirements of my system if it's this. That's the problem you're solving. So you have to think that way when you're you're pitching a product or, or outlining yeah. its market attributes, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's a that's a good one. Well, I want to touch a little about, about the, the industry as well and saying, you know, what what kind of lessons if you look back? Um, had the industry learned over the recent years, and we touched a little bit on on how you know how to sell, but if you right. like look like zooming further out, but what if you can sum it up? Well, you know, I mean, you know, this industry has gone through a myriad of of, of inflection points, changes, right? You had the tariff wars prior, yeah. prior to that, you had just economic slumps, then you had the pandemic, the supply chain crisis. Um, one of the things companies have got to be is resilient, right? Um, I know that salespeople have to be resilient. Uh, that's a key thing. Um, you have to adapt to change, right? Yeah. Because, you know, the, the war in Ukraine came and you said, okay, and then we were going to have a sales meeting it, with a select group of people in Israel in November. Well, that's not going to happen. Now there's no. a war in Israel. 
right? So you've got to adapt to change. We were going to educate a new group of of, of young people on a new product category. So what are we going to do now? What are, how are we going to pivot from that that event? And then if you you look even more forward, um, highlighted at this recent ECIA conference was the role that AI might play. Yeah. In the way we sell, in the way we communicate. Um, when we were listening to that a little bit and we stepped back, uh, there's a much greater impact it can have. I mean, folks are a little nervous with like chat GDP and stuff like that because, you know, okay, because it's a, it's a public domain and you know, anything you put into it is now public, but there's also a paid version that can go behind your firewall that one can use and maybe enhance your uh, collection of information to questions by customers. Um, I think that AI will have a big impact on yeah. how we take reams of technical information and kind of funnel it down so that it's just like a, a point to answer the questions or help the person. And sort of what they're doing with, um, you know, the viruses, you know, and, and all the ways they, they, they um, you know, when you go to the doctor and, you, you know, you've got a cold, he gives you a general, you know, uh, yeah. general anesthesia to help you out and they're working to figure out today how to make that like precision just for the exact virus you have i think you step back and say customers come in with questions and we give them lots of answers that are general that maybe doesn't answer their specific question with the right embedded ai behind the scenes we may be better to rally the information and be more precise in in our answers that is then as an engineer sitting there more value, right? Yeah. And then it says, oh, that's really what I wanted to know. You know, all the other stuff was uh, baloney. I didn't really care about that, but you know, it was good. So um, I think that's gonna be a big part of the future in our industry. It's yeah. coming, it's got a little bit of time to mature, right? Let's not say that it will be here in a year, but if you're looking out three years, I think this will be a bigger part of all of our company's equations on how to enhance that value to customers, right? I mean, that's yeah. that's what we're looking for. How do how do we improve our value in selling? So. Yeah, and then that goes back to what we talked about in the beginning, right? With the value adding, so being able sure. to do that is also going to to help that engineer looking for you know to to solve their 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 challenge, right? So the faster and Absolutely. more efficient you can do it, it it's it's it solves it, and they will be happy. What yeah. You know, are we solving what problem are we solving for the engineer? Right. If yeah. we can figure that out, right, we've added value. Then we're happy. Then you can sleep again. No, <laughs> but you said I'll keep you up at night, right? No. Um, yeah. What? So if somebody like a colleague, maybe younger colleague, then you know, was going want to excel, you know, excel in in the in the industry, what what kind of advice would you give them? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think I was fortunate, right? I came into this industry. I wanted to be a MacGyver. I didn't want to be a salesperson. I did not want to be a marketing person. I wanted to be a MacGyver. I wanted to take the bubblegum wrap, make something, put things together. Um, curiosity and learning, right? On, yeah. on what makes electronics tick. Uh, spending a couple of years on the bench really... Um, working to design, um, going through all the troubles and challenges that design engineers have. I mean, when you think about it today, right, who can relate better to an engineer on the bench or in their home office who's under you know, intense pressure to get a project 
done on time, under budget, and achieve this than somebody who's actually been in that role, yeah. right? Before you get into the sales and marketing role, and then you can talk the language, you can express, you know, uh, sympathy, but almost empathy in that, you know, yes, we've both been there. Now I'm a little older. Let me give you the tools and the information you need to be successful. Um, I think it's a key part of in this industry. Yeah. There's a strong, strong piece to have that technical background as you migrate up the journey of an engineer to selling, right? And so I would look for folks who come into this industry, spend some time on the bench, go yeah. through, develop some scar tissue, that will make you stronger long term and, and make you uh, better and more informed on how to grow in this industry. Yeah, definitely. And you also the whole communication, right, will help you as well because you've been right. sitting in that chair. So that you will help. Feel the pain. You know, somebody can say something. <laughs> I mean, I love when folks say to me, I'm having troubles with my uh, admissions in EMC or EMI. And, and I go, I can feel that pain. Have you ever sat in a cold metal room trying to solve EMC issues for hours? Yes. Okay. Now I know that if you don't want to be there either. Let me figure yeah. out how we can work together to get you a solution to solve this problem. Right? Yeah. Mm. Very much so. Yeah. So if you have to, to look back and say, okay, how could you give yourself an advice like 10 years ago? What kind of advice would that be? Mm. I think I was too conservative. Why? I don't know why, but, yeah. um, um, you know, take the adventure, right? I, you know, what advice would I have liked? The, the world is global today. You know, there's no yeah. longer, you're no longer, you know, just regional or whatever state-wise. Uh, you're dealing today with international companies, uh, yeah. whether Japanese, European, um, Chinese, um, and, and, if I had the advice uh, and looking back and someone said this to me once before, I said, I wish I would have worked for a company and that company would have said, I'd like you to go work out of our Japan office for two years and then maybe go work out of our European office for two years yeah. and gain a little more global perspective of how this all this global world interconnects in technology. That would be the advice I'd give myself. I would say, don't be too conservative. Don't, you know, don't take the, the, the safe route take a little risk and go, right? Yeah. And uh, for me, that would be my advice to myself 30 years ago. Yeah, well, that, that's a good advice. I like the, the when you're saying the global world, because there's also yeah. the whole, the culture, right? In the different teams. Um, and right. you need to respect and understand and how to communicate still when you are in a global world and you have offices all over. Um, you you have to, it's, it's, it's a fun challenge, I think. But, uh, it yeah. is. It is. I mean, each culture is blended in in America. I mean, the strength yeah. of the American um, industry is the diversity. There yeah. is the diverse group. If you traveled into San Jose and you were every unsure of the uh, youthful element and where we're going, and you see some of these young people designing some of the most amazing stuff, and the diverse cultures um, and everything else, you walk away with a little bit more uh, confidence that there are some good people in this world, they're doing some great things. And uh, and it's not just, it's it's a diversity of all the different cultures melting in, all the different component manufacturers melting in. Yeah. And, and that is an inherent strength that I don't think any any country can compete with America on. That's, that's our unique strength, our, our secret formula, if you want to call it. I agree. 
So if um, if any of the listener wants to to reach out to you, how can they connect with you? Easiest way is LinkedIn, I guess. LinkedIn, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm not on LinkedIn every single day, every minute. I'm definitely in the morning when I grab my cup of coffee. And I definitely like to do it in the evenings, not every evening when I grab a good glass of red wine. And I'm there. always listening. I'm there. Absolutely. Perfect. That's perfect. Cool. I'll put it in the show notes and I'll also put it on the website on the episode page on mindinnovation.com. So you, you will be easy to find. So Tom, thank you so much. I think now this this chat was, was great. I think the whole value adding um, and also yeah. touching on, on the AI, because there's something there we need to look out for, right? We need to be prepared. And again, and, and what we talked about adapting to that change. You cannot just sit still and saying, oh, that's it. You know, no more updates to the website. <laughs> um, you, you have to change, right? Everyone has to do that. It, it is it is a part. I mean, you know, to close, you look at two great folks, whether it's um, uh, Jim Collins and Good to Great or Andy Grove, right? And, you know, they they use this word paranoia, paranoia, productive paranoia, only the paranoid survive, but the paranoia drives change in, in people inherently. And, and that is definitely key, right? Yeah. To be successful. So thank you. If you like Mind Innovation, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and share the show wherever you get your podcast. You can follow Senna Vinding and Mind Innovation on Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube. And make sure to check out mindinnovation.com. Stay curious and keep learning. See you next time.